Thank you all so much for joining me today. Before I begin, I need to pray. Father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace. We thank you so much for being full time in our life. We ask that you please allow us to receive your word today. Let it resonate in our hearts. Let us accept your word, your plan, will, and purpose for our life. Most importantly, God, just allow us to be receptive to you. Allow us to be open and willing to be able to be obedient to you. Let us have favor in your sight, God. We want to do more than just have favor, Lord. God, we want to give you joy. We want to provide happiness to you in our actions and in our behavior through the power of your Holy Spirit. So we ask, God, that you please allow us to be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. God, we thank you that you continue to lead us in the path of righteousness. And we thank you so much for giving us a double portion of your love, mercy, and grace. God, we, we just ask that you continue to allow us to see and hear things from your eyes and ears so that we can perceive and understand. Remove everything that will limit our ability to understand you and interpret your word and obtain revelation in your word. So we ask that you continue to keep the blockage from our ears removed so that we can spiritually and physically understand things from your perspective and remove whatever veil that is present on the eyes of your children so that they can see and perceive from your perspective, God. And so it's so important for us to be able to hear your voice, Lord. And so we thank you for giving us your word today. Show us everything that we need to see so that we can be obedient. Show us what we need to see so that we can pray about all things, Lord God. We thank you, Lord. We appreciate you for being full-time in our life. And so we, we just ask that you just please, Lord God, that you continue to bless us abundantly lord and so um most importantly father god we thank you so much for giving us access to you thank you for giving us the ability to commune with you and so we ask that you just quicken us through the holy spirit and, and you allow us to be able to minister your word to the people we know even to strangers lord god so i ask specifically that you allow me to minister grace to those that are listening let me um give information that is edifying and also that um that will be applicable to their lives lord and so also i just thank you holy spirit for filling me up i ask that you would lead me in this discussion allow me to discuss everything that i need to don't let me forget anything and most importantly god please allow your will to be done not our will or anyone else's but your will be done in the name of jesus christ it is still in your time and blood. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining me today on Lost Life and Health. Let's talk about it. So I wanted to talk about, um, um, this is breaking news still on the conflict between Israel and Palestine. And so there were a lot of more research that I had to put into the, um, into the blog. So I wanted to go over that today. Um, so yesterday i talked about abraham so i wanted to sort of shift back and discuss abraham so so far leading up to the discussions of abraham i talked about um how in the 1850s uh israel was revitalized land um around 1948 the jews were recognized by all of the other nations in the world um basically preserved as the homeland right um 
So God was really setting the tone on this. And we see also how um, in Psalm 24 and 1, earth is the Lord's, everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Uh, specifically talking about some of the the um, enemies of, of the Israelites were the Amorites, Hittites, Canaanites, Perites, Hevites, and Jebusites. Um, so we see that those are um, some of the sins of the Canaanites we can see in Leviticus chapter 18. Um, also talked about the Canaanite gods where you see a lot of the sun gods, the um, Lady of the Sea, they, they're supposedly um, father of their gods, the Prince of the Earth, which is their bell. Um, also, they have their dust, Don, and the, their um, Satan gods, okay? That's part of the Canaanite gods. So God had um, basically put them under a curse because of, um, of uh, Ham, uh, which is a descendant of Noah. And so Ham's son name was Canaan and Canaan had was under a curse by Noah. And so um, Noah was naked and Cain was cur Canaan was cursed. And so we see that where Moses, Moses never made it to the promised land because he was basically his lack of faith preventing him from entering into the promised land. And so I actually had talked about the sons of God. That's where I left off yesterday. But unfortunately, um, this shouldn't take me that long to explain um, more information about Abraham. So I have to shift back and revert to Abraham. Um, okay. So yesterday, after I finished the podcast, the Lord, I went to sleep and I woke up and God was like, you, you're not finished with Abraham. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, so I thought I was done. Um, so God had brought it back to my remembrance on my other podcast that was, um, it's called, uh, love, hate, and benevolence. I believe that was the one love, hate, and benevolence where I talked about the Hebrews. And so God actually had taken me back there. I can actually, what I'm going to do is I am going to provide a link to that podcast. So you all could be able to see that too. Um, so God gave me more information about the Hebrews and Abraham. And so the information, cause I actually was leaving it right there based off of the research, but I forgot that I would, I have probed further than that. Okay. I'm always researching. And when I'm reading things, I do remember. And a lot of times it's so much information. Sometimes it's a bit of information overload for me. So I apologize about that. But according to God questions, I said that they had given a, a great breakdown of the Chaldeans um, on their website. However, they did not. They gave out incorrect information because Abraham was not a Iraq Iraqi because going back throughout history, studying the Chaldeans, it specifically shows that they are of black descent. So. Chaldean is located in Iraq today. That is the part that is correct. It is known as Southern Babylonian. Okay. And um, we see 
that um, Abraham was uh, Terah's son, um, originally a Chaldean who was black. Now, we see this in Genesis 11 and 31. It doesn't specifically say his nationality there, but we can trace the roots back. So, in contrast, there is an article by Henry um, Amoico in 2022. Um, this title of this article is called The Chaldeans of Babylon and the Black-Headed Sumerians. So, we see here that the first writings from ancient Babylon originated from the Sumerians in Babylon, which is considered Iraq today. Okay, So, they were basically pagan. They were uh, polytheistic religions that went against the principles of God. Um, and, and there are still a lot of paganism happening in today's society. Specifically, the Roman Catholic Church really supports a lot of the pagan ideologies. Okay, um, Not just that, but our calendar, Roman, Roman calendar, has all type of pagan holidays. Okay, so you go from... Thanksgiving, you have Thanksgiving, you have Easter, you have all of these other um, holidays. They are considered pagan holidays because actually Easter should be, um, I believe it's pet, is it resurrection? I believe Easter is resurrection Sunday. It's either resurrection Sunday or it's Passover. I think it's resurrection Sunday though. Um, so that is, um, so you, you have, instead of celebrating the actual um calendar the hebrew calendar i have that listed too on a different podcast i believe i have it on love hate and benevolence podcast okay so the ancient chaldeans were black which would make sense being that sarah chose her maid servant who was also black egyptian she was an egypt egyptian woman so there were relics of prehistoric blacks discovered in the region okay so they they discovered different relics, um, according to the article, that different relics of blacks were discovered in the region of ancient Chaldean. So we see some of the earliest civilizations was Sumerians described in the Babylonian inscriptions as black-faced people. So they actually described themselves as black-faced people. Um, the mainland of the Chaldeans was in southern Mesopotamia. And it included the city of Babylon. And so if I went on to the World Atlas and I, I dived even further, right? Because it's so important to do these deep searches because it allows us to have more of a thorough um, a thorough analysis. So according to World Atlas, right? We see that Babylon is one of the most famous cities of antiquity. Babylon was the capital of Southern Mesopotamia, which is Babylonian, Babylonia, from the early second millennial to the early first millennial, before common era, before Christ, right? And it was the capital capital of Neo Babylonia, which is Chaldean, right? So Neo Babylonia is Chaldean, which is the empire in the seventh and sixth centuries when it was at the peak of its glory. Um, it's extensive ruins. The extensive ruins lie near the modern town of Al Hila in Iraq on the Euphrates River, about 88 kilometers south of Baghdad. Okay, so that's according to the World Atlas. So, next, we see that according to history, the location of Ur, which is also listed 
out of Genesis 11, verse 31. Okay, let's go there. Um, in Genesis 15 and 7. So it says specifically, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. So they were coming from Ur of, of Chaldeans. Now remember, Abram, right? Terah took his son. So Terah is Abraham's father, his dad. His grandson, Lot of Haran, his grandson, Lot, son of Haran, right? And his daughter-in-law, Sarai, okay? The wife of his son, Abram. Now, Abraham and Sarah, Sarai are actually brothers and sisters, okay? Um, But that's another story, all right? I wanted to get here. It says Genesis 15 and 7. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. So out of Ur, right? Out of Ur, uh, the Chaldeans. So we see that Abraham, that is where he's from. So when we look here, we see that According to history, the location of Ur, where Babylon had took over, it was established in 19, I'm sorry, in 1894. It was established in 1894 by Amorite King Sumabam. Sumabam. Okay. So we see that according to World Atlas, Babylon is the capital of Mesopotamia, which is a capital that uses the languages and cultures of Egyptians, according to Britannica. So all the way back then, we see that this transition of these languages and cultures, including the relics, right? Even back in ancient Chaldeans, right? We're looking at the ancient people, the ancient Chaldeans. They were all black-faced people with um, uh, relics that were indeed black. Okay, and so we see that the capital of Mesopotamia also uses all of the languages and cultures of Egyptians. So we go to Genesis chapter 12, verses 2. And I also, I did want to um, just give you all the scripture to show that Abraham was, in fact, Sarah's um Abraham was Sarah's uh, brother. So they are brother and sister. So I wanted to show you all that. So if we look here, we can find in um, we can see this in Genesis chapter 20. Genesis chapter 20, verses 12 through 13. It says, besides, she really is my sister, the daughter, the daughter of my father, though not of my mother, and she became my wife. And when God had me wander from my father's household, I said to her, this is how you can show your love to me everywhere we go, say of me, he is my brother. So they were actually brother and sister, but they ended up marrying each other. So going back here, um, 
Let's look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. So the Lord says to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. And so this is where I forgot to mention this. I've spoken about nation on my other podcast. I did not include this on here yesterday. I updated it today. I updated all this information today. So in Genesis 12 and 2, it says, I will make you into a great nation. Pay uh, very close attention to the word nation because I'm going to be using it, looking at this word in the Strong's Concordance. So I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Okay. And so what the word nation is, Okay, this is Strong's number 1471, which means Gawi or Goi in Hebrew, and it is pronounced Goi and means a foreign nation, a Gentile, heathen people. Okay, so what this is what the Lord says to Abram go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. So what this word nation means in the Strong's Concordance is a foreign nation, a Gentile, a heathen people. So understand this, okay? Um, so the Bible, um, I'll, I'll explain the Bible in, in a minute, but let me just kind of focus on this here. So what this means is that God is going to make a foreign nation come from the descendants of Abraham, okay? Therefore, Abraham was considered a foreigner automatically because guess what? He was an Egyptian. He was a Hebrew, okay? Um, But I, I actually don't want to use the word Hebrew. I'm going to explain the word Hebrew and explain the word Israelite in a minute, okay? So he's actually considered an Israelite, okay? Um, so Abraham is in fact black, all right? We see that there were um black relics in Chaldean, okay? We see that the the southern people of Mesopotamia, they are also of the culture and language of Egyptians, okay? So I'm about to explain this in a second here. So in Genesis chapter 15, verses 12 through 21, let's look here. It says, then the Lord said to him, know for certain that for 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in the country, not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves. And afterward, they will come out with great possessions you however will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age in the fourth generation your descendants will come back here for the sin of the amorites has not yet reached its full measure understand this at this time you have amorites that are in egypt remember the the amorite king Remember what I said in 1894, the Amorite king, Sumabam, right? 
Sumabam was, in fact, an Egyptian. All right. And so we're talking about Egyptians here in Genesis chapter 15. And so in Genesis 15 and 16, in the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. So at the time we're looking at the Amorites, God is predicting this. This is what the Lord is saying to Abraham. Okay. The Amorites, he's predicting this 400 years, 400 years, your descendants will be stranger in the country, right? This is, this is prophetic word that is coming from the Lord speaking directly to Abraham. Okay. So the Amorites are in fact in Egypt. Okay. But the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. Okay. So in verse 17, when the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said to your descendants, I will give this land from Wadi of Egypt. So Matthew, pay attention here. God is giving more land to the descendants of Abraham. That is in Wadi of Egypt to the great river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Cadmonites, Hedatites, Perizzites, Rephites, Amorites, Canaanites, Gergeshites, and Jebusites. Okay, all of those people. And so God is giving them the land at all of these places. So we see where are the Canaanites? The Canaanites are in Canaan. Okay, because we understand that Canaan is Israel today. Okay. And so going forward, we see that God gave parts of Egypt to Abraham descendants. So let's, let's rewind a little bit. I want to go back over that again. So we see here in history that Abraham is in fact a black Egyptian. Okay, because why he came from the Chaldean, which is even though it's Iraq today, pay attention. He came from Chaldean, which had an Amorite king, which called they are considered blacks in that region. They are considered blacks in that region. All right, they had black language. And also they call themselves black faced people. Simple as that. All right. Um, Chaldean was considered the Neo-Babylonian. This was back in the seventh and sixth century. All right. And so we see that the history throughout the history, the, the culture sort of still evolved even into the 1800s where, where you see the Amorite king Sumabom. Right. It's still, they are still speaking the language of Egyptians, all right? And so going forward, we see that now Abraham is emerging into a great nation. So the way we understand the Bible is through the, the Hebrew, um, the, or the, the, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew and the New Testament is written in Greek. And so according to the Hebrew, 
scrolls. The word nation simply means a foreign nation, a Gentile heathen people. So God did what? So God is, is going to make a foreign nation come from the descendants of Abraham. So Abraham was considered a foreigner. So the land that God gives him, okay, according to Genesis chapter 15 and verse 12 through 21, they get the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cabanites, the Hittites, the Parasites, the Raphaites, the Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. So we see that God gave parts of Egypt to Abraham's descendants, including the promised land of Canaan, which is now Israel today. Okay. Um, so God will bless blacks to inherit the promised land as a foreign people. So this, this basically what it does it brings an end to this long controversy of God's people being another race other than black. Primarily, in order for us to combat this dogmatism, which is opinion versus facts, all the facts were analyzed that support that actually supports evidentiary claims that the chosen people are Abraham's descendants and they are indeed black. So you must ask God to reveal to you by giving you an understanding of the interpretation of Revelation chapter 3, verse 9. So let's look at that. It says, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not. So there are people that are claiming to be Jews. And they are not Jews. I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews. So they say that they are Jews, but they are from the synagogue of Satan. I'm going to read it again to make it clear. I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Okay, so what's really interesting here is that the wording of some of the Bible, sometimes it's always, it's constantly seems to me like it's changing. But the most important thing about this is that we can still understand what the word of God says. See, God, gives his children interpretation of his word. And so if you want to have interpretation of the word of God, we have to be able to understand what God is saying here. So let's continue reading. So behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. So what God is saying here, look, there are Jews that they, are, they, they claim to be Jews, but they are from the synagogue of Satan. They say that they are Jews. So they are they are saying th these things. They are saying that they are Jews. They are openly saying that they are Jews. 
but they are from the synagogue of Satan. Remember, a synagogue is a church assembly or, you know, a gathering. You go and gather. And so the people that are saying that they are Jews are, in fact, from the synagogue of Satan. So now I want to kind of dive deeper into understanding this, right? So Hebrew is a name that was given to the Israelites by other people. Okay. Hebrew refers to Abraham and are listed and recorded as the Hebrew, the Hebrew people in Egypt. And this is back in the 12th and the 13th century. Okay. So we see that the Hebrew people had emerged from after the 6th and 7th century. You see, because we see that the, the 6th and 7th century is during the time that it was the Neo-Babylonian of Chaldean. That was the empire in the 7th and 6th century. Well, we see that um, Babylon was the capital of the, of the uh, southern Mesopotamia, Babylonia. But we also see a shift taking place in the 6th and 7th century where Chaldean emerges from southern Mesopotamia, which is Babylonia. And Chaldean emerges in the 7th and 6th century. But when we look here at the Hebrew, we see that Hebrew didn't emerge until the 12th and 13th century. So Hebrew is actually just a name that has been given to the Israelite people by other people. Other people gave uh, Abraham the name Hebrew. So Hebrew is not actually a part of any like race. It's just like uh, calling someone, maybe, uh, you know, you just, you say, um, you know, like a slang, slang word for a person. For instance, you had Palestinians, but Palestinians were called Philistines. So you have this sort of transformation of the language, the word that is what they're being called. So actually, Abraham was an Egyptian that people renamed him into a Hebrew. So Hebrew refers to Abraham and are listed and as recorded as the Hebrew, the Hebrew people in Egypt. And this is during the 12th and 13th century. So we don't see the name Hebrew mentioned prior to the 12th or 13th century okay now another interesting fact here there is no letter j in greek or hebrew and so this is what i really i want to talk about this too because some people they they have a major problem with the fact they um uh, well they like talking about this okay they do people like talking about this um I wanted to fix a couple errors here, but I, I guess I'll fix it in a minute. So we see that, um, what was I at? Okay, I think it was here. Okay. So we see that there is no letter J in Greek or, or Hebrew. So 
there were a lot of people that considered themselves as Hebrew Israelites that say, okay, well, the letter J, it wasn't in the Bible or it, it wasn't in Greek or Hebrew. But the Greek text and the Hebrew scrolls and so the Greek text and the Hebrew scrolls are also called the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Hebrew scrolls are comprised of the Hebrew Bible. So this, like I said, the word Hebrew didn't emerge until the 12th and 13th century. So in order to interpret the Hebrew scrolls, you must rely on scholars that can interpret the ancient language of Hebrew in order to understand the word of God. So this means that Joshua and Jesus are the same names. For instance, in Armaniac, I believe it's Armaniac. That's how you, um, so it's the Armaniac language where they translate Jesus into Joshua, right? So Joshua is their English version of Jesus, and that's in Armaniac. And so you have one name is translated from from Hebrew into English, the other from Greek into English. It is also interest, interesting to note that the names Joshua and Isaiah are read in Hebrew are essentially the same names in Hebrew. So Joshua and Isaiah is the same name, which they mean savior. And the Lord Yah is salvation. Okay. So I've provided the links in blue or you'll see the link there. So you could just click on the link. So I, I kind of wanted to dive a little deeper than that. Okay. So let me get to it. My, my page is just refreshing here. So the high, the, the Haburu people, they are known as Haburu or a high pyru. Um, really is pronounced Haburu or Habiru, okay? That is how you pronounce it. Now, we see that they appear in text, right? So we see the word Hebrew emerge in the 12th and 13th century. But we don't, we don't start to see any um, conformity to text until the, the 18th and the 20th century before Christ. And so this is this is in um southern Mesopotamia. Okay? Once again, southern Mesopotamia is what? Babylonian, okay? But they are also it's on the Asia Minor and in the Haran and Mari areas. They are identical to the biblical Hebrews. Okay, so that is a more inclusive name than Israelite. And so it is evident that the fact that Eber, a son of Shelah and a grandson of Sham, for whom the Hebrews are named. So we see that Hebrews come from Sham, which is uh, Noah's son. And so this is lived eight generations before Jacob. Right. So Jacob was the son of Isaac and um, Jacob, whose name is also Israel. OK, um, so God changed Jacob's name to Israel. So for whom the Israelites are named. So the Israelites emerge from Jacob. OK. 
So in this sense, you see all Israelites are ivory Hebrews, but all Hebrews need not be Israelites. They are not the same. Because you have the, the Israelites that emerged from Jacob and then you have the Hebrews that emerged from Abraham. Okay. So they are not, they are different. And many of them don't like to be called a Hebrew because their name is actually that the Hebrew name was given to them by other people, similar to the Palestines or the Palestinians being called Palestinians when they are originally Philistines. So you also have, um, so what this means is that there are Hebrews outside of the established social order of Israelites. Okay. In the non-biblical text, there are mercenaries who are motivated, motivated solely by a, a desire for monetary or material gain. As in the text from Babylon. So you have letters from Abdiheba of Jerusalem to Akhenaten of Egypt who complained that the Hiburu people were posing a threat to the status quo in Canaan. So understand this. Remember, Canaan is Israel. So you have one set of, uh, of Hebrew Israelites or the, the Israelites um, and they are basically not liking what the other is the other Hebrews are doing. So they are posing a threat to them or to the status quo in Israel. Basically, Canaan, Canaan. Okay. So Israel was formerly Canaan. Remember that. Don't forget it. So when it references Canaan, it's referencing Israel today. So you have some scholars see in these references the Canaanite version of the conquest of Canaan under Joshua. So Joshua, okay? Remember who is Joshua? Joshua is um that's I believe it, that was hard the what son I'm trying to remember whose son this was. That was Har's son. So Caleb and Joshua that went over there and defeated um, the giants in the promised land. So you have Joshua, okay, where they're talking about um, him going in. And so you're going to see many scholars that just talk about Joshua, which is referring to who? Who is it referring to during the time of what? During the time of Moses. So you still see that Abraham was given the name Hebrew. So, so that they're going to be referring to the Hebrews during that time. They're going to refer to the people in Moses' time. Anything prior to Abraham is going to be considered a Hebrew. And so anything after that, you have these people that are saying, well, we're Israelites. And this is happening in the 20th and 18th century. So there is absolutely no relationship between the, the Haburu 
Hiburu uh, people, because if you pronounce their name wrong, even though it's spelled Hapiru, Hapiru is not pronounced Hapiru, okay? It's pronounced Habiru, Habiru, H-A-B-I-R-O-O. It is spelled H-A-P-I-R-U, but that is not how you pronounce their name. Let's be very clear on that. All right. So you don't pronounce their name that way. You don't pronounce their name the way it's spelled. It's spelled with the P-H-A-P-I-R-U, but it's pronounced Habiru. Okay. So it's also called a, a, a Pyru. And so you have the Messianic Hebrew Jews of G Judaism. So the Messianic Hebrew Jews of Judaism, those Hebrews are some of the world elitists. And they believe that they will enter into the kingdom of God by their flawed works and deeds, all the while denouncing Jesus Christ. Okay. They literally, many of them, they don't respect the order of jesus providing salvation they are still fixated on the law the problem with that is that the law does not provide salvation but i'm not going to get into a, a deep study of that all right so moving on we see that in first corinthians chapter 12 verse 3 therefore i want you to know that no one who is speaking by the spirit of god says jesus be cursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So when you hear a person say Jesus is Lord, Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus is my Savior. Those people have the Holy Spirit. Many times you will hear these um, Messianic Hebrew Jews of Judaism. They're not going to be saying that Jesus is Lord. All right, so just pay attention to that. So moving on, um, so we see that Israel used to be called Canaan. So God sought to destroy the Philistines according to Zephaniah chapter two, verse five. So it says, woe to you who live by the sea, you Carathite people. The word of the Lord is against you. Canaan, land of the Philistines, he says. I will destroy you and none will be left. So we see that Canaan was the land of the Philistines. So we see in today's society, the Palestinians were Philistines. So many people throughout this research and this dive, this deep dive into the Bible, I was able to find a lot of scriptures surrounding this. And so the good thing about it, Zephaniah chapter two and five clearly shows that Canaan, which is Israel today, was in fact the land of the Philistines. The Philistines are who? The Palestinians today. And so what did God say he would do? He said, I will destroy you and none will be left. So once again, Canaan is considered Israel today. 
The Philistines are enemies of the Israelites, which are listed below according to the Bible. So now I want to go over this list again. I did go over it yesterday, but I'm going to go over it one more time. So we have Edom, which is in southern Jordan. We also have the Ishmaelites, which is coming from Abraham's son, Ishmael, right? They're saying here he is the father of the Arabs, but we all know that this is not true. So I will go and edit this later on. So you have Moab, which is out of central Jordan. The, the Harganis, which is Hagar, um, with people out of Egypt, which is Ishmael's mom, right? So you have the Hagarness people out of Egypt. You have Gabal, which is out of Lebanon. Ammon, which is out of northern Jordan. Amalek, Esau's descendants, which is Jacob's brother. Felicia, which is the Gaza Strip, right? Assyria, which is Syria and Iraq, okay? You have uh, Tyre, which is Phoenicia, which is southern Lebanon. And Assyria, which is Assyrians, and the children of Lot, uh, Zeba and, and Zumana, Oreb and Zeb, okay? So, Ishmael was Abraham's son, born from Sarah's maid servant, Hagar. She was an Egyptian woman, according to Genesis chapter 16. So we see that Ishmael also had an Egyptian wife, according to the scriptures, Genesis chapter 21, verse 8 and 21. But the Ishmaelites later will become enemies of Israel, all right, which is Canaan, formerly known as Canaan. We see that the people who were enemies to Israel, we I show those maps there. So I talk about some of the Anakites, which I, I had left off of yesterday. Um, according to Deuteronomy chapter 2 and 10, we see that they are descendants of the sons of God, which were mentioned in Genesis chapter 6 and 4, Genesis chapter 5. We see that they are men of renown is to honor, which is Strong's number 8034. So we see that we see the Satan seed, which is the serpent. You have sons of men, right? And then you have sons of God. And these sons of God are coming from Seth to Noah. We can also um, find this in Genesis chapter 4 and 26. And also in Luke chapter 3, verses 23 through 38. So I also show a um, breakdown of Adam um, when he had Cain, Abel, who was slain, and Seth. So you, you see Seth, Enos, Canaan, Mahalalel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lemek, and Noah. All right? So that's all the sons of God. So you have a lot of scholars, some scholars, that indicate that the sons of God are demons. And we know that this is not true. It is, in fact, false and incorrect. It's nothing factual about it because the scriptures actually debunks it. In Romans 8, in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So when you have the Spirit of God, you are the sons of God. So we see in Job 38 and 7, it talks about the sons of God shout for joy 
We also see in Romans chapter 8 and 19, where it says that we are all waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. We see that God gave us the ability to have power to become sons of God. We see this in John chapter 1 verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. So when you receive God, you also get his power to become the sons of God, including people that just believe in his name. Okay. Next, we have Job chapter 2 verse 1. That says the sons of God present themselves to God um, and also came along with Satan. This is suggestive, which means Satan presented himself to God separate from the sons of God. He wasn't accompanied by the sons of God. The sons of God presented themselves to God. So some when when you when let's let's look at this this scripture here we're gonna go to uh job chapter two and it says um in verse one again there was a day when the sons of god came to present themselves before the lord so understand we see one event taking place the first event the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Period. The sons of God went to present themselves before the Lord. There should be nothing confusing, no confusion about this at all. So I pray that everyone that is listening, God, I pray that you get them understanding and interpretation of your word. I rebuke any deception in the name of Jesus Christ. And God, I thank you that we can see things through your eyes and your and hear through your ears. Thank you for giving us access to your Holy Spirit to have discernment. So we see that the first thing that happened, the sons of God present themselves before the Lord. The next thing that happens. So let's talk about the chain of events. The first thing that happened, the sons of God present themselves before the Lord. Next, so when you see and, it's saying and Satan also came along among them to present himself before the Lord. This is a separate thing that's taking place. This is not hard to understand that Satan was not with the sons of God. This is in one verse. Yes. But when you're reading it. You need to understand what is happening. You have one event. That's taking place. That is the sons of God. Came to present themselves. Before the Lord. Next. Satan also came along them. To present himself. Before the Lord. So it didn't say the sons of God and Satan. No, it says the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And also Satan came along them to present himself before the Lord. So he presented himself. He didn't present himself with the sons of God. 
he presented himself before the Lord. Clearly, okay? So to all the scholars that have suggested that the sons of God are demons, that is incorrect. And so, Father God, I just pray for these scholars that are giving out misinformation, Lord, to your children. God, I just pray that you shaken and awaken them in a way where they will receive your Holy Spirit. Let them be willing to receive your Holy Spirit, God, to guide them into all truth, including allowing them to receive discernment. Okay? In the name of Jesus Christ, it is sealed in your blood. Okay. All right. So next we see that, so the sons of God present themselves to God and also came along with Satan. So Satan presented himself. That's a separate incident. That's a separate activity. All right. So now next is some giants are the sons of God. We see this. Now, some of the giants, which are the Anakites, the Anakites are considered giants. We see this in Numbers 13 and 33. We also see this in Joshua 15 and 13. We see this in Joshua 21 and 11. So in Numbers 13, 33, I read that yesterday. So I'm going to move on from that. So we see Joshua chapter 11, verse 22 and 23. So no Anakites were left in Israelite territory, only in Gaza. This is why I said initially there were some Anakites that were considered the sons of God. Some. And the reason why I said some was because of Joshua chapter 11, verse 22 and 23. No Anakites were left in Israel territory. Only in Gaza, Gath, and Ashdod did any survive. So the only ones that were left, the only giants, the only giants that were left were in Gaza. Gath and Ashdod. And where are these places located? Where are they located? So let's let's look. So so let me finish reading. So Joshua took the entire land just as the Lord had directed Moses, and he gave it as an inheritance to Israel according to their tribal divisions. Then the led then the land had rest from war. Okay? So that should sum up the understanding of what happened to Canaan. Who took the land? Because Joshua took the land. They took the land but where God promised them. So there were no Anakites left in, in Israelite territory. And we know that the Anakites are who? The sons of God. Some of them were the sons of God. Not all of them. Some of them. 
Okay. So any questions about that, please go ahead and put them in the comment section on the blog, put them in the comment section on the, 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 any of the audio apps that you're on and I'll be able to respond to you there. Or you can send me an email at, um, laws, life, help at suddenchangescorporation.org. Okay. So moving forward, we have next, we have Solomon built God's temple in Israel. So now Canaan is no longer called Canaan. Canaan is now Israel. And we see this evolution has taken place now. There is a big evolution of transformation. When, it, when I say evolution, I mean it's a transformation. That's what I'm trying to say. Transformation. Now, I don't really like referencing the word evolution in that way. Um, I'm going to just change it and recant that word and say transformation okay so we see this transformation of canaan turning into israel solomon builds god's temple in israel and we see this in first kings chapter five and in first Kings chapter six solomon spent seven years building the lord's temple and we see this in first kings chapter uh six in verse 38 it says, in the month of Baal, the eighth month of the 11th year of his reign, the temple was finished according to all its plans and specifications. He spent seven years building it. And I think he, I think he spent 20 years building his house too. Yeah. So let's look at the way the Solomon uh, built God's temple. So we see in first Kings, I'm going to uh, make this a little bit. So um, first Kings chapter six, we see that there is a three level structure built around the temple. There is a three level structure, three levels. Lower level is seven, seven and a half feet wide. The middle level is nine feet wide. The upper level is ten and a half feet wide. We see that there are wooden doors overlaid with gold. Okay. Then you see that the nave with the clear story windows, clear story windows, right? You see the uh, vestibule, um, which is 30 feet wide and 15 feet deep. They also show the hollow bronze pillar on north called Boaz. And one of the south called Jason. Then you have the bronze altar, which is 30 feet by 15 for the burnt offerings. And then you see the wooden doors that are overlaid with gold. This is located in Israel, people. Remember, Solomon's temple is a place of worship to God. Don't forget this. Solomon built this temple to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Our God, our Lord. Okay. So in the inner sanctuary is a 30, 30 um, inch cube arc of the covenant in the middle with two massive 15 inch golden cherubim on either side. Now remember. Is a place of 
show. Now, cherubim, I can talk about that whole separate podcast, just the cherubim alone. So the name on the sixty inch there was a golden altar and a golden table. There are five golden lampstands on the north and five on the rinse off ashes from burnt offerings. Then you have Solomon's temple. Solomon began to build the house of the Lord because this is called the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. Where is Jerusalem? Jerusalem is in Israel. Okay. So the Lord, he built the house of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah in the spring of 967 or 96 or 966 before Christ. And he completed it seven years later. It resided in the middle of a court with boundary wall. So you have this metal basin. 15 feet in diameter and seven and a half feet high holding 12,000 gallons of water supported by 12 bronze oxen in sets of three. So let's talk about this for a minute. Solomon now has come like years later and 966, 967 before Christ. Has built this temple of gold. This is considered the house of the Lord. The same God. Our God. Who gave Abraham. The promised land. Which. The house of the Lord was built. In Jerusalem. Even though yes it was the Philistines. We say that in Zephaniah. Chapter 2 and 5. That Canaan. Was a land. For the Philistines. But, but, wait, wait, wait. How can they try to get the land when the house of the Lord is there? We're talking about they had land. Now there's, there's things built on top of this land, which is considered the house of the Lord. So the problem is, this is where the problem is coming in with the Philistines. They want the land where the house of the Lord was built by Solomon. Solomon built God's temple. Solomon was King David's son who God appointed as king. So Understand that God pushed the Philistines out. David's son Solomon built a golden temple for God. Basically, that's what you might as well call it. A golden temple for God. And it's considered the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, Israel. Israel, Jerusalem. On the Mount Moriah. So we see that moving on from that because it's conflict there because the Philistines don't have this temple. This temple is the house of the Lord. Okay. This is in Israel, Jerusalem. Built by Solomon. Out 
of gold, 12,000 gallons of water made out of bronze. Okay. So when you making an altar or something for God and you calling it a place of worship, it needs to be nice. God requires nice things. It took them seven years to build this. So can you imagine? Imagine this. Imagine you man a land. You get the land is yours. And then it's no longer yours. And somebody build a mansion, a, a home with gold on it. It's no longer your, your land, no. The land was taken from you. And a, 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 a temple made of gold was built on your land. So, who fights with God? God, the, the people throughout history, it clearly shows that the Israelites were even scared to go over into the land. But not Caleb and Joshua. They had the spirit of faith. They were like, look, we ready to go conquer the land. God said we could conquer them. They conquered giants. We talking about war. So you saying that if, if during war, uh, uh, they lose, a person lose, you lose. That's like saying, you know, like it, they lose, they lost. That's it. They're defeated. Judah defeated the Philistines in Gaza, according to Judges chapter one and verse 18. It says specifically, also, Judah took Gaza with the coast thereof, and Ascalon with the coast thereof, and Akron with the coast thereof. So Judah defeated the Philistines. So we see in Judges, though, in Judges chapter 15, that man, you, it's a lot of stuff going on here. I'm not going to read all of these scriptures because there's a lot of information here. You all can go and read it. I have I have basically described a succinct way of what happened in these scriptures. So if we look in um, Judges chapter 15 and 19, the Philistines occupied Gaza during Samson's days. We see this in Judges chapter 16, verse 21 through 31. They gouged out Samson's eyes. The Philistines did. The Philistines also controlled Gaza during Samuel days too. This is found in 1 Samuel chapter 6 and 17. God's curse went on the Philistines. And we see this in Amos chapter 1 verse 6 through 7. I'm, I'm going to read these off. Amos 6 through 7. Jeremiah 25, 17 through 20, Zechariah chapter 2, verse 4, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 5, Isaiah chapter 14, verse 28 through 30. Let's look. It says in Amos 1, 6 and 7, thus said the Lord, 
for three transgressions of Gaza and for four. I will not turn away the punishment thereof because they carried away captive the whole captivity to deliver them up to Edom. But I will send a fire on the wall of Gaza, which shall devour the palaces thereof. This is what the Lord is saying. Jeremiah 25, verse 17 through 20. Then took I the cup of the Lord's hand and made all the nations to drink unto whom the Lord has sent me. To wit, Jerusalem and the cities of Judah and the kings thereof and the princes thereof to make them a desolation and astonishment and hissing and a curse as it is to this day. Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and his servants and his princes and all of his people and all of the mingled people and all of the kings of the land of Uz and of the kings of the land of the Philistines and Ashkelon and Azza and Akron and the remnant of Ashdod. So God cursed all of those people. You look at Zephaniah 2 and 4. For Gaza shall be forsaken. In Ashkelon, a desolation. They shall drive out Ashdod at noonday, and Ekron shall be rooted up. So Ekron is demolished. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 5, it says, Ashkelon shall see it and fear. Gaza also shall see it and be very sorrowful. And Ekron for her expectations shall be ashamed and the king shall perish from Gaza and Ashkelon shall not be inhabited. The last one is Isaiah chapter 14 verse 28 and 30. In the year that King Ahaz died was this burden. Rejoice not thou, whole Palestina. Because of the rod of him that smote thee is broken. For out of the serpent's root shall come forth a cockatrice, and his fruit shall be a fiery flying serpent. And the firstborn of the poor shall feed, and the needy shall lie down in safety. And I will kill thy roots with famine, and he shall slay thy remnant. So, what this means is that they were under a curse. God had cursed them because of their inability to worship God. They were under a curse. So we see that King Sargon of Assyria conquered the Philistines. Alexander the Great, who is mentioned in uh, Daniel chapter 11, verse 3 and 4, it says, then a mighty king will arise who will rule with great power and do as he pleases. After he has arisen, his empire will be broken up and parceled out toward the four winds of heaven. It will not go to his descendants, nor will it have the power he exercised because his empire will be uprooted and given to others. So this is, this is where... Most people don't know that the, the, that Bible verse is talking about Alexander the Great. 
So Alexander the Great, he was born around 356 before Christ. Okay, he was born in, in, in Macedonia. Um, and he died on June 13th of 300 and, um, uh, 320. I don't, how can this be accurate? He born on 356 and then he died on 323. That, that doesn't make any sense at all. Okay. So he was, uh, basically, uh, overthrew by the Persian empire. And he, oh, okay, I'm sorry. It's talking about someone else here. The Northwest of Thessalonica, Greece. Um, and so Babylon, which is near Al-Hila, Iraq. Okay. So carried Macedonia arms to India and laid the foundations for Hellenistic world of territorial kingdoms. So he basically established this like territory. He wanted this kingdom, this area, this area. He, he basically did that. Okay. And um, that's what... Alexander the Great did. So we see Daniel chapter 11, verse 3 and 4 talks about him where he, he was a mighty king, right? But his power, um, his power will not be exercised because his kingdom, his whole entire empire will be uprooted and given to other people. And so that is what happened to Alexander the Great. Okay. Um, we also see Jonathan Mac uh Maccabeus gave Gaza to Israel. And so, um, you can read about Maccabeus too, where he was a, a Maccabean a revolt was, he was basically like a Jewish rebellion and, um, he gave is, he gave, um, he gave, uh, he gave Gaza to Israel. That's what he did. Okay. So there were two kingdoms that were split. You have Israel and you have Judah. And this is according to um, 2 Kings chapter 24, uh, verse 1 through 7. Okay. And so let's look at that. It's, it talks about King, uh, King Judah and um, Nebuchadnezzar. So you can read about it there um, in 2 Kings 24 and 1 7. And basically, it talks about how Judah was overrun by enemies. So Israel and Judah were destroyed. Um, and you can see this in 2 Kings 25 because of their disobedience. And so I have a map of, I'm sorry, I am so sorry. I, I have a map here um, that shows the divided kingdom. So you have Israel and you have Judah. Um, which is a part of Jerusalem, right? Um, um, it's also along the Dead Sea, right? And so Israel is also by Lake Galilee. You had the Mediterranean Sea. And so you had the people of Jeroboam and Rohoboam, right? So the Chaldeans, which is Iraq or Arabic people, were extremely wise and intelligent people. And so I'm kind of like shifting here for a minute. So God used the Chaldeans who were also known as, so the Chaldeans can be considered the Babylonians, the Arab, Iraq people, the um, Egyptians. I will say I have to, well, I have to edit this out, but they are considered, um, I wouldn't say that they are, hold on one second. Let me see here. 
go all the way down here one second okay so they are considered the, the so the babylonians are considered the the arab iraqi people today because we know that babylon babylon is in iraq babylon is in iraq today okay that's where all the confusion came from because babylon is in iraq and so you have these chaldeans they were uh extremely wise and intelligent and god used the chaldeans to defeat israel and judah due to the sins of israel's king manasseh and so the sins of the uh israel king can be found in second Kings chapter 21 and it talks about all of this like um different you know like you you just really have to read it it's 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 long okay um and so basically this man he always consulted with like he sacrificed his son in the fire he practiced divination right he saw omens and consulted with medians and spiritists he did much evil in the eyes of the lord arousing his anger and so we see this in second kings chapter 21 verse 6 so God delivered the Israelites into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years because of the king. For 40 years. We see this in Judges chapter 13 verse 1. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. So that was because of the king, Manasseh, who was an evil king. He did all type of evil stuff. So um, very evil man. Okay, you could read about him in 2 Kings chapter 21. So the Bible says that Israel and Judah were will be destroyed um, by the Chaldeans which will be today considered Babylonians and Iraqis. So you can look this up in Jeremiah 51. So Jeremiah 51 has been partially completed, but you can continue reading in order to find out more. Okay. And so, um, will be destroyed. Okay. All right. So now moving on. So according to an article, so there was an article that was published by Got Questions. It talks about how the Palestinians were referred to as now we got to be cautious about using these articles now because when it's incorrect information, sometimes, you know, and they if they don't go back and correct it, then that is an issue. So I don't know if I'm going to be using GAT questions anymore like that. So according to an article published by GAT questions, Palestinians were referred to as residents between the Mediterranean Sea and the Jordan River. So whenever there's like um, incorrect information, it's okay that because we are all human. We have a we have a human error. And so we are always going to have omissions of error. So what that means is that that's fine, 
but we need to make sure that we go back in and correct it okay because sometimes we all make mistakes and that's a normal process in life but correcting the mistake is what's important so hopefully eventually soon they'll go back and correct the information so similar to similarly to the way northerners and southerners address each other to a specific region so i want to look at the way um now th this is this is simple to understand this the palestinians were referred to re referred to as residents so that basically what they're saying is palestinians only had like a specific region like if you look at the south side of chicago to the north side of chicago or you look at the northerners and the southerners in the south or if you look at like the north side of memphis and the south side of memphis basically palestinians they were only assigned to a specific region right they were also considered muslims that were brought from bosnia the balkans and the the carcasses by the turks and this happened in between the 16th and 19th century from sudan egypt syria and lebanon by the british in the 20th century so the majority of palestinians are arab and there is biblical evidence that suggests that they could also be descendants of babylonians who are considered arabs So you have the Chaldeans and you also have the Neo-Babylonians. So the, the Chaldeans, you would call them Neo-Babylonians as you see on the World Atlas, right? So it says the Chaldeans helped overthrow the Assyrians. Assyrians. They took full control of the Fertile Crescent and established the Chaldean or Neo-Babylonian Empire. The Chaldeans were led by their strong king, Nebuchadnezzar. He rebuilt Babylon, which became the largest and most impressive city in the ancient world. And so the reason why you have these Arabics now is because, guess what? Babylon is in Iraq. So they transformed out, like they shifted out. So you have the Philistines. When God gave Joshua and Caleb and the Israelites, when they were exiled out of, out of Egypt, when God gave them the promised land, which is Canaan, that's the land of the Philistines. We see this in Zephaniah 2 and 5. So they were kicked out of their land. Many of them went to Iraq. Okay? And so Iraq is considered babylon babylonian now okay and so now you have a shift a transformation that took place here so the culture that's in iraq guess what it's arab you have the palestinians the palestinians they were labeled to they were only recognized in a specific region so understand that Okay, so let's not get it confused. So you had the contributions to civilization. The, Chal the Chaldeans built the beautiful hanging gardens on the rooftops in Babylon. The, 
The Greeks called them one of the seven wonders of the world. The field of astronomy was further advanced by, by their observations of the sun, moon, planets, and stars. So they continue to, they continue to pr practice divination. They continue to practice these astrologies. They continue to uh, worship these other gods. Dude, you have this Muslim, um, these Muslim beliefs, right? And so the transformation of the Neo-Babylonians is now Iraq today, all right? So you no longer have the Chaldeans that originated out of Egypt. You have the Philistines that were pushed out of Canaan, which is Israel today. They were the Philistines pushed out and then they spread it over into Iraq, which used to be called what? Babylonian, Neo-Babylonians. That was the land where they were, okay? But instead, they are not there anymore. You have Iraq there in that land. And so now you have Arab people in that land because of the Philistines being pushed out. The Philistines were of Arabic descent. The Greek are the ones who, who started calling the Philistines Palestinians. So let's look in Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse 23. And then we're going to go to uh, Joshua chapter 10, verse 40 through 41. So Deuteronomy 2 and 23. And it says, And as for the Evites who live in the villages as far as Gaza. So we see that the Evites is who? The Evites are also considered the Philistines. Because they lived in the villages as far as Gaza. The, the Catarites coming out from Kaftor destroyed them and settled in their place. This is how the Philistines emerged. So, so many people, they, they say, many scholars, they say, oh, well, you know, Philistines, they didn't have their own land. They did have their own land. Because God, we can clearly read it in Zephaniah 2 and 5. That the land of Canaan was filled with Philistines. So it's no reason to keep saying that the Philistines did not have land. They were not scattered everywhere. Their land was in fact in Canaan. So let's, let's go back to that. Okay. Zephaniah 2 and 5, clearly it says, Zephaniah, woe to you who live by the sea, you Carathite people. The word of the Lord is against you, Canaan, land of the Philistines. He says, I will destroy you and none will be left. This is the land of the Philistines. So when you hear Scott, this is another major issue within scholar uh, interpretation. This should not be an issue. The Philistines were not scattered everywhere. They, in fact, were in the land of Canaan, which is today considered what? Israel. All right. So you, and then you, you find out where they come from. So you have the Evites. The Evites are the Palestinians that lived in Hazarim. 
or the villages or encampments on the southwest corner of the seacoast. So you have the Israelites who ended up conquering that land. And we see that this in Joshua chapter 10, verse 41. So Joshua subdued them from Kadesh Barnea to Gaza and from the whole region of Goshen to Gibeon. So the Evites are the Palestinians. They are the ones who, this is where they originally were living in Hazarim. The villages or the encampments on the southwest corner of the seacoast. Okay. So the Israelites, they ended up conquering that land in Joshua 10 in verse 40 and 41. So I basically, I show the, the map here. You can see the Babylonian and the Syrian empires. Okay. And you can see the mosques. You see Palestine. Um, you see Euphrates River along the uh, Euphrates River, River. You see Babylonia. So you can see all of that there. So Gaza. Now, I, I want to explain to you this. You have Gaza. You have Ashkelon, which is also Ascalon. You have Ashdod, Geth, and Ekron. They are known as Philistia, which is the land where the Philistines resided. And we can find this in Jeremiah chapter 47, where the Philistines are destroyed. So let's look. It says this a message about the Philistines. This is the word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah, the prophet, concerning the Philistines before Pharaoh attacked Gaza. So this is what the Lord says. And, and then you, you read, you read the whole thing about what God is saying. See how the waters are rising up in the north. They will become an overflowing torrent. They will overflow the land and everything in it, the towns and those who live in them. The people will cry out. All who dwell in the land will wail at the sound of the hooves of galloping steeds, at the noise of enemy chariots and the rumble of their wheels. Parents will not turn to help their children. Their hands will hang limp for the day has come to destroy all the Philistines and to remove all survivors who could help Tyre and Sinai. The Lord is about to destroy the Philistines, the remnant from the coast of, of Kaptur. Gaza will shave her head in mourning. Ashkelon will be silenced. You remnant on the plain, how long would you cut yourselves? Alice, sword of the Lord, how long till you rest? Return to your sheep, cease and be still. But how can it rest when the Lord has commanded it, when he has ordered it to attack Ashkelon and the coast? So whenever this takes place, because this is prophetic word. This is prophetic word, Jeremiah 47. Just like Jeremiah 51 is prophetic word. Jeremiah 51 is partially come true, not all of it. So um, you, you see that the Israel-Palestine conflict 
You see Israel, you see the small section of Gaza, and you see the West Bank. So you have the West Bank and Gaza are all Palestine territory. So let's let's look at all of these battles that have emerged from Israel and the Philistines, which is uh Palestine's, okay? I, I gotta make sure I edit this and put Palestine's here. Philistines, um, also known as Palestines. So you have um you have here where it shows the uh Sheepalah and second chronicles 28. Let's go. I'm gonna go to these scriptures. I'm almost done here, too. So we got second chronicles 28. We got first Samuel chapter 4, where it's Afik. 1 Samuel 7, 13 and 14. 1 Samuel 14, David and Goliath, 1 Samuel 17. Mount Gilboa, right? Hezekiah's defeat of the Philistines. So let's look here. So you have 2 Chronicles 28, where it talks about Ahaz, king of Judah. This is the battle there, okay? Um, the battle between uh, Shephelah. Um, you also see the battle, battle of Aphek which is in 1 Samuel chapter 4, where the Philistines capture the ark, okay? You also see, um, we can see here in uh, 1 Samuel 7, 13 through 14, where you uh, see that Eben and Isis, um, where the Philistines were subdued and they stopped invading Israel territory. And this happened throughout Samuel's lifetime, where the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines again. And so you see in verse 14, it says the towns from Akron to God that the Philistine had captured from Israel were restored to Israel. And Israel delivered the neighboring territory from the hands of the Philistines. And there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. Okay. Because you remember that they did become enemies. All right. Remember, the Ishmaelites became enemies with the Israelites. Edom, you have you had several different, um, even part of Lot's descendants. All right. Including the Amorites. They were also enemies of Israel. They all became enemies of Israel. Even though they are actually some of them were. So if they would have had obeyed God, they would have been a part of the descendants of Israel. All right. But we see you you see in Michmash in 1 Samuel chapter 14, um, that's another battle um, that had taken place where the Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to Philistine outpost on the other side. They wanted to defeat the Philistines. So now you see Israel routes the Philistines um, and they're defeated again. Here we go. Then you see David and Goliath. Goliath was the Philistines. Remember, I said that. Remember how uh, the Bible talks about the Anakites being giants and several different scriptures about maybe four or five of them. And so Goliath was a a giant, but he wasn't one of the sons of God. That's why I say some of the Anakites were sons of God. David defeated Goliath 
he was a part of the Philistine army. Okay, 1 Samuel chapter 17. So you see Mount Gilboa also in 1 Samuel 31. Okay, 1 Samuel 31, it talks about how Saul takes his life. Um, The Philistines were, it says now the Philistines fought against Israel. The Israelites fled before them and many fell dead on Mount Gilboa. The Philistines were in hot pursuit of Saul and his sons. And they killed his sons, Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malkishua. The fighting grew fierce around Saul. And when the archers overtook him, they wounded him critically. But understand what happened to Saul. Many people, they don't know what happened. See, Saul, he, he ended up being disobedient to God, going to consult a medium. And then uh, summoning Samuel from the dead. When God does not... Uh, it is against God to talk to the dead. They have crossed over into another spiritual realm. And when you talking to a different spiritual realm, you are unauthorized. So the only way we talk to any person that is deceased, we talk to God and then God communicates with them. But Saul, he didn't understand that. He summoned Samuel from the dead. He called a spiritist, a medium lady, who summoned Saul from the dead, brought him back from the dead to talk to him through the fire. And he was being disobedient to God. So right after that, the next day, he was killed by the Philistines. So going back here, uh, we see also Mount uh, Gabor. We see Hezekiah's defeat of the Philistines in 2 Kings 18, 5 and 8. Um, so you can see here, you see Gaza City on this map. I have, um, so there are six nautical miles from the fishing limit. You have Israel um, that's sort of um, north and adjacent to israel but it's it's slightly north of of um gaza no i'm sorry israel is slightly north of gaza okay so you see that israeli declared buffer zone um so along the along the coastline you see that there is a no go area nobody can go in that area you see the refugee camps are sort of like in the middle part the urban areas it shows and then they have the high risk areas which is like along the coast part there so that's kind of a lot um but here let's look here according to this article there's an article that is by the washington institute for near east policies of 2021 and so in 2017 it's, they said 44% of West Bank respondents. Now, remember, Gaza and West Bank are filled with Palestines. Remember, West Bank is has Palestinians in West Bank that predominantly dominated, occupied by the Palestinians. So in 2017, you have 44% of West Bank respondents who wanted to end the occupation of the West Bank and Gaza 
and establish a two-state solution with Israel. So only 44% of all of those Palestines, they only agreed to creating a two-state solution with Israel. This is in 2017. Now in 2020, you have the West Bank supporting Palestine occupation had increased by two-thirds. So in West Bank, you have a, a increased population of the Palestinians. And even higher in Gaza. So they support slightly increased from 44% in 2017 to 56% uh, in 2020. So the article indicated that there is no Palestinian support that will aid in permanent peace with Israel. So this article, remember now, this article was published back in 2001. And their main focus is emphasizing Near East policies. And according to their research, the article indicated that there is no Palestinian support that will aid in permanent peace with Israel. So they don't want no peace. That's what that means. They are, uh, they, they became heavily populated in West Bank and then in Gaza. And they felt that they could, you know, um, dominate the Israelis. In addition, there's another article. So in 1947, basically the United Nations classified Israel into two states. Okay. Remember on the video, it says in 1948 that the Jews were recognized by other nations. But prior to that, in 1947, the United Nations finally had classified Israel into two states, which are Jewish and Arab. So according to the article that was published by the Guardian, and when you think of Israel, you have to think of the Palestinians too, because they are right in between the Israel, you have the West Bank, a little north up part, the northern part of uh, Israel. You have Gaza, which is in the like southern part. So this action led to the Holocaust of nearly 700,000 Palestinians that were expelled or fled. So 85% of the Arab population of the territory were captured in Israel. So 85% of the Arab were in Israel of those 700,000 Palestinians. So Israel do not want the Palestinians there, but you know, it's largely due to the Palestinians. They don't not want any peace with Israel. And so now we see that, um, so now Israel expanded their territories into Gaza because, see, Israel is heavily populated. So they expanded their territories into Gaza, the West Bank, and the Arab land, other Arab land. So you see these Islamic movements such as Hamas, they emerged from these events and many other Muslim groups formed resistance 
to Israel's expansion and their occupation into their territory. So what happened was the Israelis, by them um, basically dominating the area and, you know, like creating this, um, this Holocaust of expelling 700,000 Palestinians out of their land, they were not expelling the Palestinians out of Gaza or West Bank. They were just simply expelling them out of Israel because there has been over seven different wars, battles throughout ancient history, right? Because it did used to be the Philistine land, which is the Palestinians. So now you have these Islamic movements or, or groups or... um. You have these Islamic movements that are creating resistance to Israel's expansion into the other territories. So I guess you could assume that Israel wanted to expand into West Bank, Gaza, and other Arab land because it was too many of their uh, Arabic counterparts that were trying to dominate their territory. So they chose to expand in other parts of uh, the land. So the Philistines can also be referred to as the Palestinians. They can be referred to as Gaza, Ashdod, Ashkelon, Gath, Ekron, and Evites. They occupied the land of Canaan before the Israelites had arrived. So the former name of Israel we know is Canaan. So if you see the photo above under the Holy Land, that's where it will show. So you have these Philistines became the dominating power force in the land of Canaan. They had dominated that land. They had, they were occupying the land of Canaan. So Abraham's descendants, the Israelites, not the Hebrews. Remember, the Hebrew name is is given by other people to Abraham. If you like saying Hebrew is a is a disrespectful name really um in actuality but you know they some people still consider it to be okay and some people do not consider calling them hebrew it's similar to how the greeks call the palestinians no it's similar to the greeks calling the philistines palestinians they transform their name from from uh philistines to palestine they were they were never called palestine they were always been called philistines so now you see that um, the Israelites were foreigners in the promised land. They were considered foreigners. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 17 and in verse 8, it says the whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. So this is what God has said to Abraham. So Abraham was already in Canaan, right? When he when he arrived in Canaan, he was in Canaan. But he was a foreigner in the land of Canaan. And this is this is according to Genesis chapter 17 and 8. So God owned all the land and he gave it to the Israelites to be their promised land. There was nothing the Philistines could do about that because the Israelites had been given the land by God. They literally went over there and defeated all sorts of giants, took the land and everything else. Solomon later on built the house of the Lord made out of gold, basically. Seven years to build. 
So you, you see that during all of this discourse, God continues to allow the Philistines access to the land due to the is due to Israelis disobedience to God. So guess what? It says in Numbers chapter 33 and 51 through 53. Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, when ye are passed over Jordan into the land of Canaan, then ye shall drive out all of the inhabitants of the land from before you and destroy all their pictures and destroy all their molten images and quite pluck down all their high places. And ye shall dispose the inhabitants of the land and dwell therein. For I have given you the land to possess it. So you see, God has given them the land to possess it. But the Philistines will continue to be a thorn in the side and their God shall be a snare to the Israelites. According to Judges chapter two and three, it says, wherefore I said, also said, I will not drive them out from before you but they shall be as thorns in your side and their God shall be a snare unto you. Nonetheless, Babylon will be destroyed. We see the evidence suggests that the Babylonians are Arab, which means they are Palestinians. So God is going to, God has allowed the Palestinians to be thorns in the side of the Israelites because of their disobedience to God according to Numbers 33 and 51 and 53. God giving them the promised land. But if you keep reading on, they, did, they didn't want to cross over into Canaan. By them not wanting to cross over into the promised land when they were talking about, oh, it's giants. It's this over there. By them being disobedient at that point, God allowed them to be thorns in their side. And this is in Judges 2 and 3. So the Palestines will never leave and they will continue to be thorns in the side of Israel, Israelites. Of uh, you know, so it's nonetheless Babylon will be destroyed. Okay? So if we dive a little deeper, and I have 10 minutes here. In Jeremiah 51 and 5, I'm going to try to sum this up really quick. So Jeremiah 51 and 5, God declares that he has not abandoned Judah, although the land is full of guilt. We see this in Jeremiah 51 and 5. God specifically says, for Israel and Judah have not been forsaken by their God, the Lord Almighty, through their land. Though their land is full of guilt before the Holy One of Israel. Now, remember, we're not going to forget about Revelation 3 and 9, where it talks about the um, Revelation 3 and 9, where you have the Jews who claiming to be Jews, but they are from the synagogue of Satan. Now, remember on my other news, um, breaking news story, you have the Orthodox Jews who are driving the missionary Jews out because they did not want the Palestinian Christians converting over to Christianity. So the Orthodox Jews tried to implement a law to stop the missionary Jews 
from um, proselytizing, which is converting others into Christianity. So they had to pass a law where they could not convert Christians, the Orthodox Jews. So that's why God is saying in Jeremiah 51 and 5, though your land is guilty, God has not abandoned it, abandoned Judah. Okay, even though the land is guilty. So you have to understand that Judah are God's children. Judah, all right? Judah and Israel. The, the people of Judah and Israel are God's children, period. The Bible was talking about it right here, Jeremiah 51 and 5, okay? He's not going to abandon Judah or Israel. We are Judah, okay? So the people that live in Israel are the are God's children in Israel, but the people that are of Judah are scattered around in many different geographical locations. We are a part of the body of Christ. We are a part of Judah. So Jeremiah 51 and 6, the Lord advises Judah to flee from Babylon. So you have the people that are Israel. They are also, you, you have Judah. Remember, I just talked about Judah being geographically located everywhere. God's children are geographically located everywhere. So it's saying, Jeremiah 51 and 6, flee from Babylon. Run for your lives. Do not be destroyed because of her sins. It is time for the Lord's vengeance. He will repay her what she deserves. So let me explain this. When... In order to understand this, I, I'm going to try to be as brief as possible. All right. But Jeremiah 51 and 6, the Lord advises Judah to flee from Babylon. So we see that God's children are also, even though Judah and Israel is split, you have Judah, which is a part of Jerusalem, but God's children has been scattered. Okay. So you see that Israel will become Babylon the great. When a man of lawlessness enters God's temple, the Antichrist will reign in Israel after he has exalted himself above God in his holy temple. So you have to understand that the holy temple that Solomon built for the house of the Lord, the man of lawlessness will enter the temple and he's going to declare that he himself is God over all the other gods. So the Bible talks about, you have to understand that Israel will become Babylon when the man of lawlessness enters God's temple. So Babylon will be destroyed Babylon made everyone drink of the adulteries, which refers to the rebellion of God in the worship of other gods. See, what this scripture is saying here in Revelation chapter 14 and 8, it says a second angel followed and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. Babylon is be is emerging babylon is emerging and into becoming babylon the great including israel okay
Because all of the other nations, nations, remember what nations mean. Nations is foreigners. Remember what nation mean is it, Strong's number 1471. Remember what nations mean in Hebrew. It means foreigner. Which made all the nations, which means all the foreigners drink the metanine wine of her adulteries. So all of the foreigners, everybody, all the nations, how many people, how many nations are supporting Hamas? So you have to understand that this refers to the rebellion of God in the worship of other gods. So God gave Babylon the great, his fury. We see this in Revelation 16 and 19. The great city, what is the great city? The great city split into three parts and the nations, cities collapsed. God remember Babylon the great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath of his wrath so you see three parts you see uh judah you see israel and you see babylon this is very simple to understand the great city is split into three parts okay three parts babylon the great the mother of harlots abominations of the earth so you have a great rebellion against God happens in Genesis 11, verse 1 through 9. And also you see the great falling away happens in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 1 through 3. And then a man of lawlessness is revealed. So lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will, so, will do so until he is taken out of the way. So the one who is restraining up the man of lawlessness is God. So we see that the two witnesses in Revelation 11 emerge and have the power to shut the heavens, including preventing it from raining and turning water into blood. So the two witnesses will trample the holy city, according to Revelations 11, 1 and 2, for 42 months. Pay attention. I was given a reed like a measuring rod and was told, go and measure the temple of God and the altar with its worshipers, but exclude the outer court. Do not measure it because it has been given to the Gentiles. They were trampled on the holy city for 42 months. Don't confuse Abraham being blessed with the nations, that, that nations will be blessed through him. This, the Gentiles that the two, this scripture, Revelation 11 and 1 and 2 is referring to is the people that are of lawlessness. The two witnesses are going to have the power to shut the heavens, prevent it from raining and turning water into blood. They will trample the holy city for 42 months that's three and a half years so the antichrist will conquer the holy city that will be called the great city babylon the great and he would exalt himself into the holy temple 
according to Daniel chapter 11 and 36. The man of lawlessness will enter God's temple and declare that he is God in 2 Thessalonians 2 and 4. Jerusalem will fall according to Revelation chapter 17 verses 1 through 5. The great city will rule over the kings of the earth according to Revelation 17 and 18, but will fall during the battle of Armageddon according to Revelation 16, 16 and 20. In Revelation 18, 9 through 10, Babylon the Great is destroyed. Jesus Christ returns. And so you can read about that. And I also have a video that talks about the Jewish American protest against genocide and Gaza. But just understand that God wants the best for us. But the great city, the great Babylon is going to be Israel because Satan will reign. The man of lawlessness will reign there. Okay. He's going to enter in God's temple. So that's what this is about. So it's time for us to pray. So Father God, we come boldly before your throne of grace. We thank you so much, God, for giving us understanding and revelation of your word. We thank you so much that you continue to keep your body of Christ together. And God, keep us together in a way where we can all pray for each other, encourage each other. God, we pray that you continue to help all of the people in this world that are victims. That are victims, Father God, that are that believe in you, Father God, because you are the God that created the heavens and the earth. And we understand your power, God. You said that the beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord. And so, God, we understand you because we've accepted you into our heart. So we ask that you give us a double portion of your love, mercy, and grace, and continue to allow us to understand what your plan will and purpose. And keep us 30,000 steps ahead of every situation and circumstance. But most importantly, God, please allow your will to be done. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is still in your atonement blood. Amen. So you all could uh, watch the video, no genocide. Um, but the main thing is understanding what God is saying. But until next time, I'll see you all on Sunday. You all have a good night. Thank you for joining me.